0: Welcome to Brand on Purpose, the podcast dedicated to uncovering the untold stories behind the most impactful, purpose-driven companies and organizations. I'm your host, Aaron Quitkin. Joining me today is Adam Warrington. Adam is Vice President of Corporate Social Responsibility at Anheuser-Busch, home to some of America's most recognizable beer brands, including Budweiser, Bud Light, Michelob Ultra, Stella, and more. For more than 165 years, Anheuser-Busch has been committed to its purpose beyond brewing, pursuing efforts around environmental sustainability, responsible drinking, economic growth, and providing drinkable water where needed following disasters. Adam leads a number of initiatives to create a better, brighter, and more sustainably focused future for the brewing industry. His commitment to ensuring the company does better for both communities and for the planet is actually creating real impact, particularly as the company has shifted certain operations to support COVID-19 relief efforts. Adam, it's great to have you on and welcome to Brand On Purpose.
1: Aaron, it's great to be here. Thank you for
0: having me. And it's great to see you from afar. You from New Jersey, me from New York, both social distancing. We are alone together, literally right now.
1: Not very far apart, but so much far apart. Glad for technology.
0: So in doing a little bit of research on Anheuser-Busch, And you're probably, I guess you're the third alcohol brand to be on the show. So we've spoken to New Belgium. We've spoken to a startup called Airco, which is a vodka brand. You're the third one. And there's this interesting thing where I feel like a lot of alcohol brands in general are very purpose-driven and purpose-based. And when I go to your website, I see purpose beyond brewing everywhere. And I know that Anheuser-Busch for years has had purpose as a core value. Obviously, it's being leaned on and activated now more than ever with COVID-19. But can you talk a little bit about the Purpose Beyond Brewing moniker, how it came to be and how it is really a North Star for the company?
1: So Anheuser-Busch was founded quite a while ago, so more than 165 years ago. In our view, we're one of America's most iconic companies. And certainly have an iconic brand that's been with us nearly since the beginning in in Budweiser. And as a company, we've had a long-standing commitment to being a good corporate citizen and, and having a social impact. So I'm sure later on, we'll talk about our relationship with the Red Cross. That actually goes back to 1906. So we first worked the Red Cross following the earthquake in San Francisco in 1906. So that goes back 114 years. And our belief is we know that when our community thrives, our business thrives. So we want to do good for our communities because it's good for the community. It's good for our business. And as a leading brewer in America and also the leading brewer in the world, we know we have a responsibility to give back to communities and where people live, they work, they play. Beer brings people together. This has happened for centuries, long before Anheuser-Busch existed. And we are committed to taking action to make sure that it holds true moving forward. We want people to come together. So beer brings people together. Our purpose then goes beyond just brewing the products that we brew in our breweries and distribute across the country. So we think about purpose driven brewing. That ties to pausing our brewing operations throughout the year to can emergency drinking water to help people in times of need following disaster relief. It's fostering a culture of responsible drinking behaviors. We want every experience with our products to be an enjoyable one and a responsible one. And that's being stewards of the environment too. How can we brew as environmentally friendly and efficiently as possible tied to water usage, tied to how we distribute our products and beyond. So really think of it in terms of helping our communities, ensuring our products are consumed responsibly, and then doing our part in pushing our sustainability work and goals forward.
0: One of the things I love about having guests like you on is kind of shining a light on things I had no idea about. Obviously, I know it's one of the oldest, most iconic brands in America. It touches everybody. And One of the things I didn't realize is that you were one of the first companies to really own responsible drinking. Budweiser means moderation more than 100 years ago. And correct me if I'm wrong, but weren't you the ones who had the first major campaign of know when to say when more than 35 or 40 years ago?
1: Yes, that goes back to 1982. So 38 years ago is really when Budweiser's know when to say when campaign started. And that really, in a more robust way, was when we started investing even more and more in terms of responsible drinking designated driver, moderation, of course, underage consumption. We have a program called Family Talk about drinking as well. You mentioned historical ads with Budweiser. It's really fun to go through our archives and look at some of those old ads tied to moderation, but really proud of what we've done really the last nearly 40 years investing as a business through our brands and with our wholesalers as well to promote responsible consumption.
0: So like me, you were for many, many years a PR guy. And I say that with love, admiration, and respect because we are very important to the world, especially those of us who do and practice our craft responsibly. You left the agency world, you joined a nonprofit, if I'm right in saying that, for a little while, and then you joined Anheuser-Busch in what I think is kind of an enviable role because you get to wear really the best of the brand on your sleeve every day. What is it about your background in particular when it comes to messaging and narrative and story development that you think is so helpful when it comes to CSR these days, given this resurgence around kind of purpose and purpose-driven branding? And quite frankly, and you may or may not agree with me, but there are a lot of companies that are kind of talking about these things, but few that actually have it baked into their business model and into their operations like Anheuser-Busch. So can you talk a little bit about the importance of authentic storytelling and how that comes to be? Because that has to be part of your job, not just as a spokesperson from a CSR standpoint, but someone who also makes sure that these programs actually get executed and in a way that's highly performative.
1: Many years as a PR practitioner, many years on the agency side. I went right from the agency side to Anheuser-Busch. I've never worked for a nonprofit. have great oh, admiration for those who My do. Bad. No, it's fine. I'm on the board of a nonprofit, one of our long term partners, Keep America Beautiful, which is focused on raising recycling rates in the country and reducing litter. So, very proud to kind of do that and have great admiration for the men and women that we get to partner with on the nonprofit side. And we get to fund some of those through our Anheuser-Busch Foundation as well, which is, is part of our CSR team. What's really exciting for me, and you touched upon it, Aaron, is really building plans, platforms, and ideas that bring our beliefs tied to our CSR pillars, which is community, sustainability, and responsible drinking to life and the impact that those plans and ideas have. I have the honor to get to execute many of those plans and working either from a corporate perspective through Bush or with many of our brands, Budweiser, Bud Light, Michelob Ultra, our craft partners, etc., to help communities clean up litter and raise recycling rates, to institute programs working with rideshare partners to ensure people are getting to and from their destination safely, they're planning ahead for a safe ride, to delivering emergency drinking water to communities that have been maybe ravaged by a tornado, an earthquake, a flood. So the impact of the programs that we have, I was lucky enough to inherit so that we're working to build, and then seeing the impact in terms of ideally helping people in their lives in times of need, perhaps making smarter choices, being more efficient in their choices as it ties to sustainability, it's incredibly rewarding. And in my previous experience as a PR practitioner, I think understanding how to bring a plan, how to bring an idea to life, how it can connect with a variety of stakeholders and how then maybe you can sustain that that idea, turn it into a platform has been very beneficial for me in my
0: career. Don't you feel like also given your background that your bullshit detector is like always on high alert, like you have a really strong filter for authenticity?
1: If yeah, it's not authentic. It's not going to fly, certainly in today's day and age. So if you try to announce something that doesn't meet the smell test, if you will, it's not going to happen, all right? So yes, I think the years of working with brands, working with companies, many of them behind the scenes, understand, hey, what's going to resonate, what's going to not, learning from things that were launched and executed, how that played out, has been invaluable to me in the role I have now as we think of things to do to expand our CSR platform.
0: And is your role new or were you replacing someone else?
1: It was not new inherited this role from someone who left the company. And it's been around for a number of years at AB.
0: Okay. So just a quick pivot to COVID-19. I look forward to the day that I never have to pivot to COVID-19 or ever say that ever again. How has your role and your job and Anheuser Bush's attitude and activities with regards to CSR, which I think is a weird term these days because it doesn't even really capture everything that you do, but how has it changed in this environment?
1: It's changed dramatically, and it hasn't. And I realize I just contradicted myself. It hasn't because we have a belief and infrastructure in place at AB and also with our wholesalers. So for anyone listening, you sell alcohol beverages in the US by brewing those if you're a beer company. You sell those to your wholesalers who then sell those to retailers. So there are three tiers. So it goes one, two, three. So our products do not get to supermarkets, bars, or restaurants that are wholesalers, and they're amazing. We have over 400 Anheuser-Busch wholesalers in the United States. So you need your wholesalers to believe in what you're doing from a social impact perspective. In many cases, you need them to help execute. So we launched an emergency drinking water program in 1988, and we have partnered with the Red Cross, and that is a disaster relief effort. So we've delivered over 83 million cans of water through the Red Cross. I touched upon it before. There's an earthquake. Running water is cut off in your town. You need water, of course, to sustain life, but sometimes for basic things like brushing your teeth, trying to maybe cook a meal. Maybe you have the ability to kind of cook something We you have no running water. Very, very proud of that relationship and the impact there. Our wholesalers, along with our employees who can the water, get that to where it needs to go. So as we entered COVID-19, it was very clear the need right away was for hand sanitizer across the country. So hand sanitizer, for anyone not familiar, the primary product is ethanol, alcohol. So FDA recommends at least 80% ethanol in hand sanitizers we're using today around COVID-19. Can we retrofit some of our breweries to produce hand sanitizer? If we could do that and get the other ingredients we need and the packaging we need, we knew we had the infrastructure in place to get that to where it needs to go, to the Red Cross to help distribute, to our wholesalers to get it where it needs to go. So when I say we've made an entirely new product in light of COVID-19 in terms of hand sanitizer, But we had the infrastructure in place, the belief system, the buying in place with our employees, with our wholesalers, with our network, with our nonprofit partners to get it to where it needs to go. So that's just kind of one example of how we've pivoted, but really leaned on the platform we've built over many decades.
0: How has business been the extent that you can address that in this environment? I see just kind of in the limited runs I make to different liquor stores as well as grocery stores as needed. I have a sense or a feeling that alcohol sales have remained pretty steady, if not increasing. Is that right or wrong in my perception?
1: So I can't get the specifics because you'll probably appreciate we're in a quiet period right now on earnings, but you have two forms of our business, and that's the on-premise bars and restaurants and the off-premise supermarkets, convenience stores, et cetera. One part of the business is doing well. The off is of course, people go and want to enjoy brands they trust and love to consume at home. And have part of it where the vast majority of our country right now, is, as you and I are talking, bars and restaurants are closed. So one part of the business is doing well. One part of the business is essentially not operating right now. So we're trying to kind of operate in the current environments, being prepared at a time when it's appropriate to hopefully have the on and off premise open again.
0: And I've been talking to, I had, you probably know Sedexo. Yes. They're likely a large partner of yours, probably. And I've spoken to smaller brands like Coco and a lot of these brands are also trying to contemplate, okay, for the parts of the business that are doing well, if they greatly offset the parts of the business that are on pause or there's uncertainty, they're trying to put those resources to work for good. Can you talk a little bit about how you guys are putting your resources in addition to hand sanitizer as a force for good during COVID-19, other things that you're doing? That you might not have done before, but whether it's business decisions or helping to serve the community in ways that you haven't done before.
1: Two examples I think are relevant. One is touching upon that on premise sector, restaurants and bars, and certainly appreciate and feel for the men and women whose livelihood has been impacted during COVID 19. So, one thing we did as a company was we made a donation of $1 million to the United States Bartenders Guild. And the purpose of that organization is to get funds out. And many companies have stepped up to help fund them, which has been fantastic. To the men and women who are bartenders, our servers, our dishwashers. They might work front of the house. They might work back of the house and perhaps they're not working right now. So giving grants out through the United States Bartenders Guild. Another aspect of what we're trying to do is we are also a retailer. We, through our craft partners in the Brewers Collective, we have brew pubs and tap rooms across the country some of which now are closed. So what we've done with those employees who are not working right now is partnered with nonprofits like Meals on Wheels saying, hey, they have time. They're being paid right now by Anheuser-Busch. Could they help volunteer? So in many communities, they're partnering with Meals on Wheels to help their mission to deliver meals, deliver hand sanitizer, deliver what is kind of needed, extra resources in those communities to help the community in need, particularly parts of that population, elderly, people need to be very, very careful, stay at home. We all need to quarantine now, but kind of take it perhaps to a different level to help get them the resources, supplies that they need. So we try to offer up many of the men and women who work in our brew pubs who are not needed full time right now to kind of help by volunteering. And then through the financial donations, provide some relief and help to the men and women who are currently not working.
0: I want to pick up on that in just a second. We're going to take a very quick break and we'll be right back. Okay, we're back. Just talking about employees. So In normal times, and I don't even know what that means anymore, but let's just say pre-COVID-19, how do you get your employees engaged in all of your purpose initiatives? I forget how many employees you have, but it's got to be a very large number. And like you said, they're in all aspects of the business. So how is it that you get them involved, engaged, and excited about the various things that the company is doing?
1: We try to do that in multiple ways. So we have approximately 18,000 employees in the U.S., That's just Anheuser-Busch. That's not factoring our wholesaler partners. So when you factor in those wholesalers who are distributing our products to retailers, that number goes much higher. We try to engage them a number of ways. So a large part of our employee population work at our breweries. So we have 12 large Anheuser-Busch breweries across the country. All of our craft partners have breweries of their own as well. So we have a couple dozen breweries in the United States. So going back to emergency drinking water, we engage those breweries employees particularly in our Fort Collins, Colorado and Cartersville, Georgia breweries. And when they shut down and can't drinking water and we have the ability to kind of talk to them, get testimonials, they talk about how important it is and then the satisfaction and impact it has on them as a Anheuser-Busch employee. To not produce beer, they're very proud of the products they produce and they brew for us, but to kind of transfer them to water and knowing how that water is going to be used is very, very impactful. And we've had employees have requested to work at those breweries because they have the ability to kind of do the drinking water program of ours with the Red Cross. For the men and women who are selling our products or our sales force, which is spread across the country, tying into our responsible drinking initiatives, working with wholesalers, working with retail partners, bars and restaurants, activating responsible drinking programs. Yes, we wanna make sure our products are sold, are enjoyed, are resonating, but it's really, really important to us that they're enjoyed responsibly. And we've been around 165 years. We wanna last at least 165 more long beyond you and I are going to be here having a chat. So you have to do that by having a product people trust, people have a good experience with, everyone feels good about, even those who aren't beer drinkers and beer lovers. So we talk about moderation, we talk about safe right home, we talk about hydrating between beers, we talk about these moderation techniques, we talk about planning ahead. It is not lip service. It's something we believe fully in and we've invested a lot of money. As a company, we've invested well over a billion dollars. Since 1982, we kind of first started launching a very robust, responsible drinking platform. So we tried to walk the walk. We put real dollars behind this and we're committed to doing that even more. And that's something we know that we'll need to focus on in new and unique ways in a COVID-19 world and in a post-COVID-19 world as well, because consumer behaviors will evolve and change. History tells us that.
0: Let's assume that the planet is still here 165 years from now. God knows what it's going to look like one of the things that struck me was I didn't realize how much Anheuser-Busch does when it comes to sustainability initiatives and Keep America Beautiful in particular. Can you just talk a little bit about that? Because I think that's quite interesting. We
1: have a series of sustainability goals here tied to 2025. So we have US-specific goals, and we have global goals as a company as well. So we focus on a number of levels. One that I think is quite interesting is our commitment to renewable electricity. So we are committed by 2025 to having all of our breweries powered by renewable electricity to brew all of our products. And we have brought that to life in two ways. The first was through a wind farm that we have in Oklahoma, which is the Budweiser Wind Farm. Approximately half of the electricity needs at our 12 Anheuser-Busch breweries are met through the energy generated by that wind farm. So that is more than enough energy we need to brew all the Budweiser we brew in the United States, as an example, just tied to one brand. Very, very proud of that. Last year, then we announced a solar farm that is currently being built in Picos County, Texas, in West Texas, that's going to get us to 100%. So that should be online in approximately a year. When that's online, we'll have a mix of wind and solar power giving us up energy to power all of our breweries sustainably through renewable electricity to grow all the products that we brew and then distribute in the United States. That's just one example.
0: I mean, there could be a future where you actually inadvertently become a utility Not just for yourself, but for others, if you're able to produce enough energy. You never know. We're
1: very invested in the wind farm and the solar farm. So the goal is to our operations, our need first and foremost, but first anything else, what we will use. We did have extra credits from our wind farm in Oklahoma a little over a year ago. So we donated those to the city of Atlanta for last year's Super Bowl. The Super Bowl was in February 2019. And we powered the city of Atlanta over Super Bowl weekend through credits that we had that we then donated to the city.
0: Kind of a weird question, but again, kind of going back to your background in PR, I feel like the company in general is very humble and pretty low-key, just to quote my own teenagers, about all of these efforts. And I'm not saying it's the wrong move. I just It's surprising to me and also kind of gratifying because you're doing them because you want to do them because PR isn't the goal, it's just an outcome, obviously. So can you talk a little bit about the overall feeling around up-leveling or talking about these efforts. I mean, you're obviously talking to me about them, but I don't feel like you over-index on it. It's not a marketing campaign, which is nice. But at the same time, I feel like the company deserves more credit for all the things that it's doing. Well,
1: I appreciate you saying that. Thank you. We've been talking the last few minutes about sustainability. This is not just something nice for us to do because we feel we have to do it. It is our business. It is tied to our business. Our company, of course, our planet will not be around unless we are all far more sustainable. So that ties very simply to people, planet, profit, very basic sustainability beliefs there. So that is very core. Our company will not be around if we do not sell and market our products responsibly. We will not be in business. We know that. We believe that intrinsically. So how do we keep focusing on that, investing in those areas, bringing it to life? And then how do we appropriately storytell around it, which is part of the job I have now, Aaron, is how do we kind of bring that to life to the right stakeholders? which might be our wholesalers, which might be to the men and women who own bars and restaurants across the country, of course, to our consumers as well. And different brands will bring those messages to life in different ways that make sense for their communities.
0: Are you seeing a rise in beer consumption? Is it flat? Is it on the decline? I know it's a more complicated answer than just, it's not linear in that way, but what's the market like right now?
1: Across the board, relatively flat, kind of looking kind of previously, there's different forms of data Of course, where people are buying their products is different. Like we've talked about, of course, people relying on their supermarkets, their liquor stores, convenience stores, things like that in our current environment. They're relatively the same kind of per capita that they've been in recent times.
0: Although at the same time, in terms of up-leveling the message, whether it's not even millennials, but Gen Z, which is that next large, I mean, I think they're going to represent a very, very large portion of the population by the end of this year. They... I think when it comes to purpose and CSR, that's highly resonant with them. Like They want to buy from companies who do good, not just great brands, not just because it tastes great, but also that there's a story and a purpose behind it. Can you talk a little bit about, obviously, responsibly marketing or communicating to that audience, those who are drinking age, of course?
1: I think you nailed it just in terms of authenticity. So it is not a marketing campaign. It is not a summer campaign for brand X tied to cause Y. It is something ideally that brand has been involved with for many, many years and or is getting in in such a very deep way from a belief and investment standpoint that's very clear it's something the brand is going to believe in for a very long time. And if those don't exist, of course, all our researchers, our insights team, they're remarkable. Gen Z, as they become LDAs, 21 plus this year and the years beyond, you're not going to connect with that consumer group, much like the way we connect with millennials, Gen X, boomers, you connect in very, very different ways. They have different passion points and ties to our brands. So how do you connect with the newest generation of legal drinking age consumers in a way that's very, very authentic? And we know that the brands that have walked the walk for a long time tell that story the right way, where it's tied to sustainability, whether it's tied to community giving, whether it's tied to your beliefs in terms of how your product should be marketed and enjoyed, that's going to resonate. Fads will not work and last with this this new generation coming up. How do you connect them for the long term is something we want to lean on our heritage. We also want to make sure we're evolving our programming, evolving our social impact in a way that makes sense both for our company and for that new set of consumers.
0: I've long said, maybe to myself, but I think I've articulated this out loud as well, that brands themselves can't be purposeful or purpose-driven. It's people who are purposeful and purpose-driven. What is it and where does that responsibility lie outside of you, but in terms of senior management at the company, how are they involved? Because they're clearly making sure that this is a priority. This is part of the business plan. This is part of the ethos and the value system of the company. How does that get operationalized from an executive level, from a leadership team standpoint?
1: There's really two levels above me at Anheuser-Busch. So my boss is a man named Cesar Vargas, who is our chief external affairs officer. So he oversees our legal function our CSR function, my team, our communications function, and our government affairs function. So he is very, very passionate about the work that my team does, our Better World team, and our Better World platform, and that, how that ties into telling Anheuser-Busch's story and how that builds and ideally evolves and amplifies our reputation. And we're empowered from our CEO, Michelle Ducaris. So we're funded by our CEO Anything that we want to do is run by him and he gives his input and he blesses. And most times he participates in very deeply. He believes in this deeply. If he didn't believe in it and push that belief onto his senior management team, onto our wholesalers, onto the stakeholders he's responsible for connecting with, our platform would not be thriving. Of course, I'm biased with the role that I have, but we would not be resourced to do the things that we do across the board, the various programs that we have. We would not. Have the ability to do the storytelling that we have. Really, most importantly, we would not have the ability to connect with our brands and our brand teams. So we're very fortunate to have our brand teams, our marketers buy in, want to partner with us. How can we tie what we believe in from a social impact point of view, tied into their brand, do something unique for their brand, their community? Again, that's authentic, that makes sense, that's real, that's going to have lasting benefit, and that's funded.
0: Is that ethos part of even the review process when it comes down to? KPIs for employees and performance metrics and things like that? It's pretty intrinsic.
1: So I don't know if I would say it that way. The question is, okay, like most companies that are successful, well, we did this last year. That was good. We're very proud of it. How are we going to beat it? The KPI is the recent past and how can we do more? So how could we deliver more emergency drinking water? So last year we evolved our drinking water platform So, reactively respond to the red cross in times of need we then proactively started a new program to help volunteer firefighters across the country. So 70% of firefighters in the US are volunteers, many in more rural, small communities, budgets are tight. So sometimes a line item of having water on hand in the firehouse that you could bring out with you when you're working on a fire or on a call is limited. So there is a need to provide water to the men and women who are giving their time, they're volunteering their time to protect our communities. And we donated more than a million cans of water last year to firehouses across the country, a couple hundred. We're going to expand that this year and committed to at least giving 1.5 million cans of water. My team funds the production internally of that water. We have buy-in across the board to kind of do that. So the appetite to do bigger, better things is there. It's part of our culture at Hazard Bush. And the challenge and the opportunity is bringing these ideas to life and figuring out how we can make it happen and happen quickly.
0: One of the things I think it's so interesting and I think amazing about all of your programs is you have permission to be able to both plan and activate around these different initiatives because it's directly related to your business, whether it's through manufacturing or serving communities or through partnerships, through sustainability. Are there areas, and I'm just going to throw it out there around things like some brands are very heavily involved in things like social justice, for example or mental health, even though they have nothing to do categorically with those areas. Do you ever envision a world where Anheuser-Busch would kind of, I don't know, reach outside of those bright lines where you still think you have permission, but it doesn't directly tie back to your business or how you run your business?
1: The lens I look through and the people I report to look through is okay, what is core to our business? So where can we make the most impact? As you allude to, there are a variety of causes that are critically important. And maybe myself, but maybe many of our employees would like us to participate in all those areas. Does that make sense? Are we spreading ourselves and our resources too thin? So, kind of a shift in focus we made a few years ago when I came into the world I have now is the challenge to me was can you focus more and go far deeper in the programs we think can really resonate and make a deeper impact, tie back to what energy bush stands for, what we believe in? So, instead of doing 22, should you consider doing two things? So there's been a desire and a focus to simplify and go far, far deeper. And with that comes the expectation that the impact is going to be exponentially greater, which is a challenge and an opportunity. So there are many causes that deserve and warrant time, focus and resources from a lot of corporations from the private sector. Our belief in that a Bush is we respect that, but our belief is can we go as deep as we can in areas that are core to our business and we can make a very distinct impact versus something as simple as writing a check.
0: No, I love that. I think that makes a lot of sense. And I think it's good advice for anybody listening right now. It's kind of fewer, bigger, better, farther versus spreading yourself out. And so many of the brands that I work with, they're just writing checks left and right. And they're doing it out of the kindness of their heart. And the intent is pure. It's honest. But they lack focus and they need help focusing. And part of that help focusing is also structural, right? Making sure that they have a structure like you guys have to be able to give people the accountability to focus on things that are gonna have the greatest impact. So I think that's tremendous. And I appreciate you answering that so honestly as well.
1: It ties to employee engagement as well, because when we talk to our employees selfishly. I want them to know that Anheuser-Busch produces and distributes emergency drinking water and hand sanitizer. And I'm super proud. I know these programs. You've communicated to me. I get it. I understand how and why we do this. And then I, it helps me explain why I work for this company, why I'm proud versus, well, we do a lot of things and let me go check the website and I kind of forget, but I know we're doing a lot of things and helping a lot of causes, no specificity there.
0: That's exactly right. So last question, what do you think will not change, but there've been things that have had to change because of COVID-19 in terms of the way you run your business, the way you run your programs, but what do you think through a positive lens that you've learned or you've done relative to COVID-19 that you'll continue to do going forward? Again, I'm trying to look at this a little bit more optimistically. There's a silver lining to every gray cloud. What are those things that you think about?
1: It's community impact. So we have been focused in our communities for years. Like I said, it's really since the company started. But we think about this pandemic affecting the entire country. And the way we have mobilized to aid deliver goods that are needed, deliver funds like we talked about earlier, But just asking ourselves every day, what else can we do? What else can we do from a community aspect is something I know will resonate even further as we emerge from the crisis and move forward. It's always been a belief. When you have these examples during a crisis of how you kind of work cross-functionally in an organization to do more, and you know you can do it, you push yourself to want to do more. So I hope there's not another crisis in the near term. None of us do. But when and if there is how can we really ready to respond? How can we do more? How do we take those learnings? That belief's and there, the DNA is there. We all went through it together. So I think it leads to more ideas and then hopefully more impact.
0: And on a much, much, much lighter note, do you have a favorite brand or do you love them all the same like children?
1: I wouldn't say I love them all the same. I love many of our brands. So we sell over a hundred brands in the US. I will say my heart, I lived and worked in Chicago for many years. So I met my wife there, my children were born there. So our first craft partner is Goose Island. Goose Island is from Chicago, born in 1988. I love Goose Island. I'm lucky enough to know a lot of people who work there and who run the brewery and long been a fan of their products long before I joined the company. So many of our products I love. So that's one, one of many favorites. How about that?
0: Yeah. And I also think it's kind of situation dependent. It's like, are you by the pool? Are you mowing the lawn? Like anything else, it's kind of like, what are you in the mood for? The kind of that brand and that essence fits your situation, right?
1: A backyard barbecue when it's 85 degrees is very different from a cold winter night when you're watching a movie. So we're lucky exactly. to have variety and options. We have some great products.
0: So Adam, it was great having you on. I appreciate you taking the time during the most trying of times to come speak with us and to impart some incredible wisdom for our listeners. And I hope you and your family stay healthy and stay well. And I look forward to having you back on one day as well. Aaron, I wish the same to you and your family. I enjoyed it. Thank you for having me. This has been an episode of Brand On Purpose
1: with Aaron Quickkin, the podcast dedicated to uncovering the untold stories of entrepreneurs and senior leaders who make it their brand's mission to do well by doing good. Special thanks to
0: our amazing team, including the voice you never hear, producer extraordinaire Lindsay Hand, and the always-on-point associate producer Katrina Walkley, who touches every aspect of this podcast. Learn more about our show at brandonpurpose.com, follow our Instagram at
1: theboppodcast.com, and learn more about our host at aaronquickin.com.